Hello. Welcome to Life in the Word podcast with Kofi Ayi. Life leaves us with so many questions, yet to all of these questions, there is only one true answer, and this answer is what God says is so. Gifted by God's Spirit and graced with an academic background in Christian theology to teach sound biblical Christian doctrine, join me this and every Monday as we search through the Holy Scriptures to discover God's Word, which gives us the answer that leads to understanding and purpose for life. Now, to today's episode. Hello, beloved. We are thankful to God for today. We are thankful for life and His goodness. It's a great joy and a great blessing to have you listen on this podcast once again. Like I always say, I thank God that you make time all the time to listen. And I pray that as you listen, may you be enriched in your spirit and in your soul. For some time now, we've been um, studying the, the Torah. We, we had a look at Genesis. We had a look at Exodus all the way through to Deuteronomy. We, and what we've been doing is that um, we, we are working on the premise that God, all scripture is pointing to one person and is pointing to the person of Jesus Christ and God is making his complete revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have said that all that is written in scripture comes to reveal what God wants us to know about him and all that he wants us to know about him sums up in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been pointing to or we've been trying to draw our attention um, to throughout um, the time that we've been studying the Torah. And the purpose of this is that we, we come to the knowledge that life, understanding for life is in God and in Him alone. And that is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, in, in the principles of God revealed in the way Jesus Christ lived, in the purpose of God revealed in what Jesus Christ came for, in the promises of God as revealed in what Jesus Christ has said would happen or would be revealed or would be made known to us. And then again, in the punishments of God, what is going to happen when we decide to live away from what God wants us to know. And today, um, we are going to study on the topic, who is God? Who is God? Actually, so we are going to draw from what we have studied so far, what we've looked, so, looked at so far in the Torah, who God is what God has revealed about himself. Now, uh, we believe that God makes himself known to us in his word, and that is an established fact that we have stated. I believe that as we, we go on this journey, and as you listen, you will also come to the true knowledge of who God is and embrace that, not by what we think or by what anybody thinks, but what God had, has said and has revealed in his word. Shall we have a word of prayer even before we, we kick start today? Heavenly Father, we are thankful in the name of Jesus Christ. We are thankful for the gift of life, your grace, your mercy that is available to us. Lord, we know that you have decided by your own will to make yourself known to us in your word. And today, Lord, even as we 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 go through the study together as your people listen to me and lord as you inspire me to share according to what you have revealed in your word i pray that let your wisdom be communicated 
Lord, anything that is of self, I pray that you put it aside. I pray that you let that which comes out of your spirit, the truth, O oh God, be revealed. That at the end of the day, Lord, your children will be edified, will come to the true knowledge of who you are, and will walk with you the way you want us to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you so much for praying that prayer with me. Okay, so um, we go straight away. Who is God? Who is God? Now, we, we keep talking about God. We've been talking about God. Everybody talks about God. Who is God? And I'm particularly excited about this. And I find it very important to teach because um, it is. I think we need to know that our knowledge of God is going to determine the kind of relationship we have with Him. Who we think He is, what we know about Him would then lead us to have a fruitful relationship with Him. If we have a false knowledge of God, then our relationship with Him will be based on, on false assumptions and, and, and that, that would in the end be faulty and lead us in a false faith or to have a false faith in the first place. So it's important that we know who God is. It's important that we come to terms with who God is, understand who he is in person. Just like we know any other person in a relationship. When we know God, then we will know how to deal with him. We will know how to respond to him. We will know how to act towards him. We will know what to do with what he says and all that. And that is why it's important that we know who God is. But then again, you, you can't just come to a conclusion of who God is without knowing what he has said about himself. So we can't make assumptions about him from what we think we know or what we think we want to say. When you want to know somebody, what you actually do is that you come into a relationship with the person. As you interact with the person, the person speaks to you, you speak to the person. You get to know more about the person. As you relate with the person, you also get to encounter who the person is in reality. What is it about them that you come to realize that you like and what you dislike? And it's the same way we treat God. But, but God is one we do not see. We haven't seen him. We do not know him by sight. So if we do not know him by sight, then how do we relate with him in the first place? That means that then we've got to trust what he has said about himself or what he has revealed about himself in his dealings and purposes with man. So we believe that, I, I, like I said earlier, God makes himself known to us in his word. His word is a sure place that we, we get to know him because in his word, he has made known things about himself by what he has said and what he has said or what he has inspired people to say about him or to, 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 to communicate about him through their encounter with him. Now, without his word, we cannot have a complete knowledge of God. When you take God's word out, then the knowledge of God that we have is only the perception based on what we think and not what he has revealed to us. And, and um, anytime you know somebody based on perception, you can be sure that your perceptions are sometimes um, imprinted with errors unless uh, the person comes to clarify things about himself. It's the same way with God. Now, um, knowing this, I want to start by um, stating that even as we approach Scripture, we need to have this understanding that the revelation of God, which is given to us within Scripture, is given within the, our reality. So, uh, once God is someone that we do not see, 
um, he exists in the unseen reality, but the knowledge about himself is given in our reality so that we can interpret God or what we know about God within our reality. But then we, we also need to be cautious not to limit God to our reality because once he is somebody who exists within the unseen reality, what we do not see, he, we, we need to have this understanding that the knowledge about himself which he, he makes us know is based on our reality. So you would find out that um, if, if we, we interact with or we know God based on what we see in nature, it is, we should appreciate, yes, what we are seeing in nature about God because definitely in nature God makes, known, makes himself known. I mean, in the book of Romans, um, Paul talks about the fact that he has revealed himself through through created things and, and all that is around us. Um, that, is, that is certain, but it is important that we do not limit God to the seen reality because we know that he exists in an unseen reality. There are things about God which we cannot define based on um, our reality because all we know is what we can see, what we can feel and what we can touch. But by virtue of the Spirit of God, you know that God reveals things about himself which the natural or the, the natural environment or, or what we see in our reality cannot express. And so we need to have that consciousness before we approach the knowledge of God. It is very key in approaching the knowledge of God or knowing the revelation of who God is. Now, having interacted with the first five books, we want to draw out from the text what God has revealed about himself. And before we, we go there, I'd, I'd like to um, share a knowledge of one of the very great theologians whose text I have read and have loved, and it's in the person of Professor Kwame Bediakon. Now, Professor Kwame Bediakon, in his definition to what theology is about, which is essentially the knowledge of God, he, 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 he says, and I paraphrase, that our knowledge of God is... Um, is from what God has revealed about himself and his dealings with, with, with men as, as revealed in scripture. So everything we know about God, Kwame Bidiakon is saying that you can't, you can't come to God like the way you treat every other thing, like the way we scientifically um, interrogate things. Um, to some extent, yes, you would want to uh, look at things around and draw inferences to who God is. But when it comes to God, when you want to know God, you foundationally, you have to know him from what he has revealed about himself. One, because he exists in the unseen reality. And so once you haven't seen him, once you haven't felt him, you can't put him sort of like, um, you, can't, you, can't, you can't then try to make him known based on only what we have seen around us but you have to first know him for what he has said about himself and subject what you see around us or what we see around us in the line or in the perspective of what he has said about himself the writer of hebrews says that he who comes to god he says it in hebrews chapter hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 he says that he who comes to god must first believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him so 
if you want to believe in God or if you want to know God, you first have to accept the fact that he, had, he dwells in the unseen reality. And as he dwells in the unseen reality, the only way you can, you can verify what is said about him or what is said about him or, what, or who he is, is based on what he has said about himself or what he has revealed about himself in, his, in scripture through the dealings with men. So we'll consider what God has revealed about himself in the, in the Torah so far. And, and from Genesis, there are some of the things we know about God. Genesis 1, 1 talks about the fact that in the beginning God, the mere fact that you're hearing in the beginning God seeks to suggest that before God existed or before the beginning God existed, he, he, he was before the beginning. Now, note that I've said that we are, we, are, we are finding out or we are getting to know God from our perspective from our perspective i mean from the perspective of the, the seen reality and so even the revelation about himself is based he, he's 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 making us known he's making us know him based on what we can interact with and so we can interact we can talk about the beginning because the beginning begins our reality but then god existed before that reality and so we, we, that's one thing we need to keep in mind. And in that same text, Genesis 1, when we know that, um, one, in, I'm sorry, in Genesis chapter 1, we know that God created all things. As a matter of fact, from that you can see that God is the source of all things. These are things you would have to believe. Nobody can force you to accept these things. You would have to believe them. And as a matter of fact, everything that we see around us, we see, we believe because we see. But the thing about God is that you believe based on what he has said about himself. There are things you will see. There are things you will not see. We were not there. But just like we believe in things that existed before us, it's in the same way would have to come to a place of belief. And so the way you relate with God is by faith, is by believing in him. And we do that to all other things. We were not, some of us, those of us living, did not really see the first world war because we may not have been there to exist, uh, to, I mean, to know or to see what happened. But we believe on the account of the history that has been given to us. It's in the same way we approach the biblical text as history that has been put laid down for us and the only way we can we can run with it is when we believe that what is written is what really really happened and so in the same way we believe in God as one who existed before the beginning because he has made this revelation about himself in scripture and he's the creator of all things all things find their source in him all things find their source in God. Later when we are looking at um, Jesus Christ as God, which I would come to, that would be um, a sequel to this, we would find out that this is scripture as according to Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, that all things existed in God and all things find their existence or their beginning, their source in Him. Now, so that's one thing to note, the fact that all things exist or were created by God and all things come from Him. 
Secondly, we would want to, um, when, you, when you look at the, the word God used there in, in, the, in Genesis 1-1, the word God in Hebrew terms is Elohim. And Elohim exists as a plural word in, in its basic form, or a word that signifies plural, I mean, it connotes um, a plural form. So um, you find out that the English transliteration of the word Elohim um, is more or less like um, rulers or governors or powers. So um, that seeks to show or suggest that God, even though God is, is referred to as essentially one, it looks like this one being exists in a community, exists in a community, but that will be expounded later. Uh, within that text, we wouldn't have, we probably may not have enough basis to justify that the one being or God is um, is plural in nature. Now, the but then in there quickly you you then again see the spirit of God introduced as hovering over the darkness, and the spirit of God, the word, the Hebrew word ruach which is used, um, is also, trans uh, I mean, means wind or breath. So um, that seeks to let us know that the spirit of God, the word spirit, the closest thing in our reality which we can sort of compare to spirit is the wind or breath. Now, when you, when you consider the wind, you do not see the wind, but you feel the wind and you see the effects of the wind when it causes the, the leaves of the tree or the branches of a tree to, to shake or wave about, you know that the wind is at work. When you see the, the strongest form of a wind, a storm raging and you see trees bending and, and cables straining and tearing apart, then you know very well that the wind exists. And I, I, I suggest to you that God would, the closest form that we can, we can think of the Spirit of God or God in that matter, the unseen reality is the wind, that we do not see Him, but we feel the effects of Him. Amen. To continue from Genesis 1, we also learn that God is orderly. When you look at the way God created, so God begins by creating the universe, he creates the space and matter, the place where we live. And it's dark and um, it says the spirit is hovering over this watery deep. And the Bible says, God says, let there be light. And um, from science, one of the things I've learned is that light is essential for life. The trees that we get our food from make their food out of light. Light makes it possible for us to see and possible for us to move. So without light, there is no life. And God knows this. He, he owns this wisdom that before life exists, he creates light. And so you see that orderly orderliness. He creates light. And then he, in, the, in the order of creation, you see that every other thing that he creates, he would have created what it needed to depend on before he would create that. And that is seen in what even he does for human beings. He creates everything that human beings need to exist 
before finally he creates human beings and that that reveals the orderly nature of god so god is orderly in his creation that is one thing we get to know about him and that is drawn out from the text in the book of genesis now the bible says god makes man in his own image in his own image meaning in his own resemblance um, the root form of the word used there tell him actually for image means that um, more or less like shade or shadow like so we are we are sort of a resemblance of God a likeness this if not well taken might be taken out of context to assume that man is God man is not God man is in the likeness of God but man is not God man does not possess the that absolute authority that God has man only if there is any authority wielded to man it is given to man so that man may function in the likeness of God as God has dominion over all things it is very important to understand and know that the fact that man is created in the likeness and image of God does not mean that man is God now so in that we learn that the character of God is revealed in the physical structures of human being and and how how do I explain this so God is spirit he is not seen but then through the things that he's created man or how man looks like you can attribute those qualities to God so or so for instance let me say this man man can see man has eyes to see because the eye God can see sorry God sees and the way that is reflected in man is that God makes eyes for man to to depict the ability of God to see in the same way we say that God speaks God has made the mouth of man to reflect his ability or to reflect that God speaks so man reflects God's ability of speech in in the structure of a mouth or lips and tongue and everything that God has created for man so God necessarily may not necessarily have hands like human beings have but then God has created the hand for a human a human being to depict God's ability to touch or to hold things in the bible here and God God's hand the bible uses things like God's hand is that okay and that is let me say revealed in in the reality of a human being so in that manner god is like man but essentially the nature of god that is or the character of god which he wants us to have is originally revealed in man and in that way man resembles god we will i would out clarify this especially when i come to um the interpretation of who man is who man is in 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 in, re, in relation to god amen now so to continue god is just now god is just in the sense that he commands and demands obedience and he punishes disobedience that is clear in the way he deals with man in the garden he tells man do not eat of the tree in the in the middle of the garden 
There are two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says the day you eat of this, you will die. And God, he, he commands and he expects that man obeys. But then man disobeyed that. And when God comes in, he comes in to, to offer, he comes in to administer judgment. Judgment and punishment according to the disobedience. And you see the just nature of God in there. It is important to note that you do not underestimate the just nature of God. God is just and he punishes disobedience. It is false, it's a false claim and a false idea to think that because God is love, God does not punish disobedience. The scripture reveals that God punishes disobedience and that is revealed in several places in scripture. In the book of Genesis chapter 6, God destroys the earth. He he destroys all human beings and that is an act of God's punishment for disobedience. You will see that with the Israelites, when we're studying Exodus, we see that God, when the Israelites were disobedient to God, God causes some um, serpents to come and then bite them or come and inflict them with pain and death. That is a means of punishment or that's a way of God punishing his children. So God does not, he doesn't, he doesn't, let me say, forfeit justice just at the expense of mercy. He's a merciful God, but he makes sure that justice takes its course. How else can we trust in God if he's not just? And so God is just. Now, but at the same time, God shows mercy. So he is loving, kind, merciful, but he's also just. And he's strong-headed. You can see that in the way he deals with, with people. Then again, when we come down, we come down to Exodus. We know what he says about himself. He sees Moses and says that I am that I am. I am that I am. That means that I, I am who I choose to be. And of course, for a God who is not seen, even, even in there, he, he represents himself to Moses as a, as a burning, a fire that is burning a bush, but then it never burns. He, he shows himself as a flame, burning flame. And that is how he decides to manifest himself. So it is important to note that we do not cage God and make God to be something that we think he is. If God decides to speak to you in a form of a tree, that does not mean God is a tree. If God decides to reveal himself by flowing or raging waters, that does not mean God is raging waters. It is what he has decided to reveal himself through. God is way bigger than, than that. But then in there we see God says, he communicates about himself in Exodus. He says that I am holy. God is holy. The holiness of God is, is a distinct nature of God. Now, the holiness of God comes to play when God distincts himself from everything that is, everything that is, is sinful, everything that is unholy, everything that is unrighteous. It is a unique nature of God, the purest form of anything that we can ever imagine exists. And that is God's holiness. The, also, the holiness of God is also the purest form of everything that God is. The holiness of God is the purest form of mercy. The holiness of God is the purest form of His love. The holiness of God is the purest form of His kindness. The holiness of God is the purest form of His justice. So God's holiness is God's distinct 
nature. And God does not want to share his glory with other beings. Other beings in the sense that God distincts himself from everything that man, by this time in, in, in Exodus, we know that man had form of uh, made idols and images in which they want to see God. But then God, God doesn't want to share his glory with, with, with those things. And God doesn't want to be idolized or come, put on the same pedestal with other idols or other images that men had formed. So we understand that in that context, God doesn't want to share his glory with other things. And we see that in the, in the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. God also demands commitment. God demands commitment. You see that as a nature of God. He's somebody who demands commitment. He doesn't want you to say you love him today and tomorrow you've got nothing to do with him. He demands absolute commitment. God does not condone sin. God does not condone sin. I've said that God is just, he punishes sin. He does not condone sin. And as much as he does not condone sin, we need to also know in scripture, this is revealed about God. God remedies sin. Right from the Garden of Eden, when man and his wife had made clothes out of fig leaves for themselves, God gives them better clothes by he kills an animal and makes um, clothes for them, a covering for them out of the skin of the animal. You see Cain, Cain sins by killing his brother and um, God, even though God tells Cain that he's expelled from the land, he will keep wandering. You see that God takes or God deals with the problem. He tells Cain that he's not going to make anybody kill Cain. Uh, we also see in the way he tells the Israelites to kill the animals and then and then um, he kills kill the animal and then use the, 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 the blood to atone for sins and then burn the animal as an offering to him. That is a way provided by God. So that, that clearly reveals the, the distinct and the, and, and the ability of God to deal with sin. He has that power and the authority to deal with sin and to remedy sin. God is mighty. That is revealed in the acts, that he, the redemptive acts that he expresses or reveals in, in the land of Egypt through the 10 plagues, how he brings Israel, the Israelites out. He has command over the forces of nature and that is the might and the power of God. And God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful in, in the sense that what he says he will do. So you see, this is what can make us trust God. He's faithful. When he says something, he does it. And that, that is birthed out of his holy nature and his just nature. We also see in how God works with Abraham that God has a purpose. God has a purpose. And I want to um, sum this up by saying that God has his way and his ways are revealed in the way he bonds with the people of Israel, how he walks with them. He reveals his way to them. So the people of Israel in their walk with God come to this point and encounter God as one who has his unique way. God's wisdom stands apart from the wisdom of humanity. 
God's wisdom stands apart from the wisdom of humanity so that humanity has the way they do things. And that, that comes out of um, what happens in the Garden of Eden. So once man disobeys and eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man walks on the trajectory of his own wisdom and his own philosophy. But God has his own wisdom and his philosophy. God's wisdom and philosophy gives life. Man's wisdom and philosophy leads to death. And when we come to this knowledge of God and we want to walk with him, we have to respond to God in obedience and in submission. Knowing that God's way is the way of life. The way God says we should do things is the way that will bring us life, is the way that will bring us peace and all the goodies that we want. God is good. He is the perfect form of goodness. He is the absolute perfect form of goodness. There is no good in any other thing or any other man as there is in God. And so when we want to talk about goodness, the perfect form of it is in God. God's holiness is the perfect form of his goodness. And this is why we can trust God. So, I mean, drawing, just drawing from the Torah, we have come to, we, 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 we haven't had an exhausting knowledge of God, but just interacting with the text that we have dealt with over the time, these are things that are drawn out of the text, that we can, conclusions that we can make out of the text, based on what God has said about himself, and based on what God has revealed through his dealings and purposes with men, who he has inspired to make this known in scripture. This is the first part of who is God. As we go, or as we interact with the other parts of scripture, we will come back again to who is God and we'll find out what God has revealed about himself. I, I believe that you've been blessed. I believe that um, by hearing this, you would, you would then begin to have a view of God, maybe a better view than what you may have known. But then again, I would also want to say that as you go through scripture, as you read the word of God, God is revealed and made known to you. I haven't, I haven't touched on every necessary thing, but then I have highlighted on these things so that when we are interacting with God, we know who we are dealing with. I pray that what we have learned today will be a blessing to you and will inspire you to open your Bible to come to know more about who God is and what he has said about himself. May the Spirit of God bless his word and keep us in him to understand and have a deeper knowledge of him as we study his word. God willing, next week we'll continue. Now that we've known who God is, we'd want to know what sin is. What sin is. So God willing, next week we would kind of like study on what sin is so would we'll create a distinction between sin and holiness in comparison to the nature of god and then the nature of man god bless you and keep you and have a blessed day have a blessed week and may the grace of the lord be with you share this with a friend or a brother or a sister so that they can also learn from what we are learning god be with you i love you and peace be unto you amen
Thank you for listening. We hope you are blessed by the message today. This podcast is brought to you by Busy Salt Incorporated, a non-profit Christian organization that is committed to reaching communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ and carefully discipling through detailed Bible teaching to prepare every believer of the gospel to meet Jesus Christ our Lord on his glorious return as King to rule the nations. Let's get interactive on our Telegram channel at Lidword Podcast Community where you can share your questions and concerns on what we share on this podcast. You can also follow our social media handles on the various platforms at Kofi Ayi. Kofi Ayi is the author of the book, Why I'm a Christian, a book detailing the life and purpose of who a Christian is to be. You can get a copy of the book on Amazon.com or send us an email to order on info at busysaltinc.com. It was a blessing to come your way with a message today. Tune in next Monday for the next episode. God's peace and love to you. Goodbye for now.